Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. What I'm going to be talking about is going to be a continuance of what Alex preached about Sunday. Alex preached about uh, receiving the inheritance from God, right? That he said that we are worthy of the inheritance. That's, that's the phrase that sticks with me from Sunday, that I am worthy of the inheritance, regardless of whatever lies the world might try to tell me, whatever lies that, that my flesh might try to tell me about myself, regardless of all those things, I am worthy of God's inheritance. And, and it's the full inheritance of God. It's, it's the full inheritance that he has stored up for Christ in every realm, in everything that that means. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to go into that, and we're going to talk about abundance, but, but what I want to do is I want to address something, and you hear people talk about it, it's called like the poverty mentality. You hear people talk about poverty mentality, it's when, and you hear it talked a lot about regarding finances. People, you get stuck in a, in a bad position in, in, a, you know, in an impoverished state, you know, that's, that's what the name would suggest, um, and then you can't get out of it. You don't know how to break free. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But, but the thing is, a poverty mentality goes so much further beyond just a financial situation. It goes so much further than beyond our finances. Because any, any place that we can see God's abundance in our lives, when we talk about the abundance of God, when we talk about prospering in our, in our walk with God, we talk about it in our spiritual life. We talk about it in our, in our bodies. We talk about it uh, through healing, through finances, through relationships. In all of those areas, there's, God wants to bring abundance to us. But in all those areas, we can trip ourselves up if we maintain a poverty mentality in any of those areas. And we can do that, we, especially, maybe especially, guys. I don't know. I always hear that women's spaghetti brain thing, and guys got the waffle brain. You all know what I'm talking about? The whole compartmentalization versus everything touches. I, I don't know. Read a book about Mars or something. I think it's in there. <laughs> anyway, all them cross channels, right? You know, women attach all the thoughts to all the other thoughts. That's what someone told me once. Guys compartmentalize it like the little squares on the waffle. I bring it up because the, uh, oh, man, I lost my, my train of thought. Anyway, what God spoke to me about prayer, <laughs> we're just going to skip that scratch that, rewind, was that one of the biggest hallmarks, and, and I'm going to go through some stuff here, and we'll get to it, but the fact that one of the biggest signs of that spirit, that poverty mentality in our spiritual lives is that we don't pray. That's, that's a poverty mentality right there. That's that poverty mindset, is you don't pray, because, because you don't believe that God can bring the result that God wants to bring, and so, I mean, why even bother praying? Why do those little steps? Why, why, do the, why do the small things consistently if, if I don't believe that God wants to bring the result or that God can bring the result? And so prayer is such a huge part of breaking that, that poverty mentality in not just our spiritual lives, but in every area of our lives. It's because it's that, it's that constant going to God and putting him in, number, in, the, in the first position. And uh, so the last time I talked a couple months ago, I talked about the um, the Egyptians or the the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and remember God, they were in Egypt there for for 400 years. They're in this position of being in in the refiner's fire, right? And God God brings and I talked about how God brings His people and through trials and tribulation, He puts them there. He'll leave them there to to burn out the bad stuff in their lives, right? And it, He wants to turn people in 
to, to his image. And to do that, we've got to get rid of the crap out of our lives. So that brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. And, and where I want to pick up, and I thought this was appropriate, was the, the best example of a poverty mentality, one of the best that we can see in the Scripture is in Numbers chapter 13. And it's, it's where the Israelites, they're on the verge of going into the promised land. And, and God says, hey, I want, the spy, I'm going to send out a, I want you to send out spies and send a spy from each tribe. And you want to, I want you to go out, check out the land, see what's there, and come back and report. And I'm going to pick it up from there. And I'm going to read here for a minute, okay, because this is, this is good. Y'all need to hear all the, all the parts of this um, as soon as I can find numbers. And I don't have a Bible with those little tabs, so apparently I get lost. All right. Uh, I'm going to start in chapter 13, verse 27. It says, so this is, they come back, and um, they're reporting back to Aaron and Moses about what they found in the land. It says, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. They brought some fruit back. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone, with, gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom saw, who, whom saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight also. So all the congregation lifted up their voices. I'm going into 14 now. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us find another leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that fill, flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Unbelievable. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle. All right, so you see what's happening? They're all arguing. The children of Israel are complaining. 
And, and they're saying, oh, no, it's so terrible. We're all going to die. And Caleb and Joshua are frustrated. They're saying, no, God gave it to us. Don't question the Lord. And so they're all rising up. They're picking up rocks, and they're going to come kill Joshua and Caleb because Joshua and Caleb are telling them, no, we can do it. We can do it. We just need to follow God. They're so set in this mentality that they can't do it. They're so wrapped up in their little feeble fear that they're going to kill the people who are telling them, look what God has done for us, and look where God's going to take us. So what happens? Daddy shows up. Then the Lord said, so it said, Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Uh Uh-oh, right? That's an uh uh-oh moment. You pick up stones to start chucking them at people that said, we need to trust God, and then God shows up. Uh Uh-oh. You you need an uh-oh at that moment. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs that I have performed among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. He was still kept his promise to Moses. And Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. And for by your might, you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, the Lord, are among these people, and that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring his people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness." And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory in the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and has followed me fully, I will, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn, move out into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. That's rough. You come all that way, come out of slavery. You're right there on the verge of the promised land. And that spirit that was in them, not the spirit that was in Caleb. God said he has a different spirit in him. But they had something wrong in their spirit, and they couldn't go in and inherit the land. And that spirit is the same spirit that drives the poverty mentality in us today. It's that same thing. They rebelled against the inheritance of God, driven by fear, driven by laziness, I don't know, right? They, they said afraid, but I mean, really, it's going to be hard work and we don't know the outcome, right? Oh, no, you know, I got this bad report. It's going to be hard. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to do something. What, it, it, didn't God bring us all this way just to drop it in our lap? No. 
So you, you get this terrible attitude that they have, fear, laziness, whatever else, and they, and they lose out on their inheritance. God's abundance, right, that, that, that prosperity that we talk about in all these areas of our lives, he has it laid up for us. That inheritance that God has for us is laid up for us. But we can get in the way of it. We can let ourselves get in the way of it. We hinder it when we walk in that poverty mentality. I tried to come up with what that, with an example, well, not an example, with a, with a definition of what that poverty mentality is. And here, here's kind of what I came up with. It's when you project or assume an outcome independent of the promise of God and then base your actions on that projection. I assume something is going to happen. That stuff that I assume is going to happen has got nothing to do with the favor of God that wants to move in my life, with God's provision and his presence moving, God's hand at work in my life. I assume this outcome, independent of God, and then I base my decisions and my actions based on that projection that just takes God out of the equation. That's a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality says, I don't have money. I don't have enough money to get the things that I, I want or maybe even the things I need. And I don't see a way out. So I'll just keep spending like an idiot. That's what it says. Hey, I'll, let me just go into more debt and, and, and take the little bit that I do have and spend it on stuff I don't need, spend it on stupid stuff. Because I, I can't I can't envision ever not being you know ever actually having enough money. I can't envision a life where I don't live paycheck to paycheck. So let me just keep spending or or, or going into debt or, or whatever in a you know for lack of a better term in a stupid way. That's a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality with you know different relationships. It says I have to keep taking them back because otherwise they'll have no place to go and they'll end up dead on the street. How many people that enable other people have you heard that come from? That enabling is driven from a poverty mentality. I can't envision an outcome for that loved one of mine that's different than, than, than them winding up dead on the street. So instead of doing the one thing that might actually help them, according to Scripture, cutting people off, it helps them. Instead of doing that one thing, I, th I think they're going to die, so I'm not going to let them die, so I'm just going to take them back and I'm going to keep the cycle going. That's a poverty mentality. And you'll never see God's abundance and you'll never see God's prosperity in those relationships if you keep walking in that. Abundance produces generosity. Poverty leads to hoarding the little bit that you do have. Abundance produces love and vulnerability in relationships. Poverty causes you to close yourself off in coldness. In relationships. Abundance says that you're going to cut off unhealthy relationships. You're going to cut people out of your life and hope that their soul is saved at the end. And, and, and hopefully even more than that, that they're restored into right relationship with the body of Christ. Poverty says I'm going to stay in codependent relationships and I'm going to keep enabling those around me. That's the difference. 
It's all over the place. That poverty mentality, it, it can infect our finances. It infects our relationships. And it's, it infects our spiritual walk with God. It infects our, our health. It infects our personal growth. Whatever it is, we, we put up these walls and we block God's ability to work in our life if when we maintain and we act on that poverty mentality. And we have to break free from that. It, and, and guys, it, it really is across so many different areas. It, it's, it's not just in the finances. It's not just, it, it's not, we think of that poverty mentality so much with finances, but it really is in relationships. It really is, you know, in your personal growth, in your health. Because at the core of it, it's making these small decisions to bring change little by little. And little by little, that change starts to happen. And you start to see God moving in your circumstances. And that's why God spoke to me about the prayer. It's because prayer says, well, I'm not going to keep praying and I'm not going to be diligent in my prayer like the Bible tells me to because, you know, I I can keep praying, I keep praying, and I don't see the change. I don't see the result. Like Michael talked about, you know, he said, said, you know, we can lose hope. If we pray, if we don't have hope, you're just going to stop praying. That's what's going to happen. I've met very few people that pray without hope. You know why? Because people that don't have hope don't pray. Because why would they pray? Because they don't see that prayer is going to avail anything. So, so why is it so important that we pray? Because prayer shows that we're going to be diligent in the thing that God asked us to do. And we're going to believe for him to bring the increase. We're going to believe for God to move in abundance in our circumstances for whatever we're praying about. And I'm going to continue to say a prayer. And if I pray every day and if I pray every hour for 20 years and I still don't see it, I'm going to keep on doing it because that's the thing God asked me to do. Because I'm not going to have a, pr- a poverty mentality about the people that I pray for, about the things that I bring before. God. I'm going to believe that God is going to bring the increase. But if I stop believing that God is going to do something in the circumstances that I'm praying about, then I'm just going to stop praying. And I think that's what really happens a lot of times. I think a lot of people that, 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 that talk about hope and despair and they say, well, I prayed and I prayed. I think they just stopped praying. I, think, I know I've done that in circumstances. I know I've done that before. And I think a lot of us do that. We, we don't like to admit it. That's not a popular thing to admit in church. Right? It's not, oh, I didn't stop praying. I've been praying the whole time. It just never happened. I don't know what happened. But I've been praying. I mean, I don't really think anything's going to happen. But I've been praying. No, no. <laughs> if, you're, if you're discouraged and you don't think anything's going to happen, you probably stop praying, like, or at least about that, right? I mean, do y'all, y'all get where I'm coming from? Because it's, it, it plays into that same thing that we do. You know, why, save a little bit. Why should I save 10 bucks everywhere? I mean, what, what difference is 10 bucks a week going to make in my savings? Well, you know what? After two weeks, not a lot. You'll have 20 bucks. You can, you know, go out to, I mean, you can live like a king at McDonald's on $20. But other than that, you're, you're not going to be able to do much. But over, you know, over 20 years, compound interest, right, 10 bucks a week can actually add up to something. It can become something. Pouring into relationships, love and vulnerability in relationships. You might get hurt right away. There, there's going to be stuff that happens, but if I trust in God, Right, that God told us to love people, that God called us to, to, to be open vessels of his love, to pour his life and his light into people around us. If I believe that God told me to do that, I'm going to keep doing it. And regardless of what I see in the short term, I believe that that's going to yield a, a long-term result in relationships and in people's lives for eternity. 
It's about the long-term mentality, right? Just like the stock market. Short-term, you're going to see up and down, up and down, up and down. It might look like a loss one day. Next day, it looks like a gain, you know, and it's going to fluctuate like that. But over 30 years, you know, you, you, you see that progressive increase. And it's the same way in relationships. It's the same way in our finances. It's the same way in our prayer life. Just because we see small vacillations right now doesn't mean that we're not going to see a long-term trend towards the positive. We see God's abundance. We see God's prosperity poured out in every area of our lives if we will stay away from a poverty mentality and we stay committed to doing the things that God asked us to do because God brings the increase. Why did, why did Caleb and Joshua believe that they could go in and do it? It wasn't because they believed they had the power to do it. They just believed that God said he was going to deliver it to them, so they were committed to doing what God said. They didn't know how they were going to do it. I mean, you, they, they understood what the people were complaining about, but what their comment was was, did the Lord not give that land to us? God gave it to us. And that's what, that's what I want us to take away from, from, from this tonight, is that God, <laughs> the poverty mentality is just about believing in what God says. If you believe that God's word is true and that what he says for you is true, then you're going to act in that way. You're going to pray, right? You're going to, you know, whatever the the area of your life is, you're going to save. You're going to pour love into people. You're not going to hoard your love and your relationships just within your nuclear family. God gave you, I said this the last time I preached, and I'll say it again, God's love is too big for you to seclude your family and pour it out into just those members of your nuclear family. The world around you needs your love too. Don't hoard it up. Pour out that love because people, that's how people are going to see change. Don't be so afraid of the world outside that you're afraid to pour your love on the hurting and dying people of this world. Because the only way that those people are going to come to know the Lord, that they're going to experience change, is if we say, I'm not afraid of the things that look like they might happen to my family if I choose to share my love outside of that. It says, I believe that God wants to move in people's lives, that God is my front and my rear guard. He will protect me, and he's going to bring change and life change into people's lives around me. Don't hoard your love. Don't hoard your finances. It's just like the parable of the talents, right? Y'all remember that one? I think every time I preach, I talk about the parable of the talents. I guess I like it. It's, it's it, I mean, it's powerful, right? The guy, you know, each one of the one of the servants gets one gets five, one gets two. I guess it depends on where you're reading. It's like ten, five, and and one. And each one of those, the guy who got ten, he in, he invests it. The master comes back. He's got double it, and the master's, well done, awesome, here, take it, you know, do, do some more. Guy who has five, he takes it, he invests it, he does stuff with it, and he makes the money back, and then some, he's got double the money, awesome, cool, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. He comes to the last one, that last guy, he was so afraid of what was going to happen with his one dinky little talent. I mean, I don't know how dinky a talent was, it's like a year's wages, I guess, some, some preacher said one time. Um, but he took it and he was afraid of the results. And so he just buried it, pulled it back up. Master came back and said, what, what, what did you do? You wicked servant. You could have at least stuck it in the bank and got interest on it. Don't hoard what you have. Don't live with a poverty mentality. And it, I mean, it really is, you know. So what if you, you know, 
I mean, I don't know what you you, you got a heart condition. Uh, I I can't just go to eating all just green peppers and tomatoes tomorrow, so I might as well just you know not do anything healthy. No, I mean start with the small change, right? Make the small changes and commit to them. Avoid the poverty mentality in every area of your life. The only other thing I'm going to say, because we're at 8:04, and I think this was <laughs> this was a cool word from the Lord is because uh, I want to encourage you guys, because I know that there's circumstances and there's, and there's things in our life that compel us to walk in a poverty mentality, right? We can get hurt, things can happen in our lives, and it can drive us towards living in that poverty mentality for a variety of different reasons. And, and God just pointed me to the story of Job. And uh, you see, you know, I'm not going to argue the theology about it, but, but God puts Job through a lot. You don't think it was God or whatever. Just read the last chapter. It says, God, after everything, God put Job through. That's what it says. Whatever, got an issue with it, take it up with God. After everything, God put Job through. He restored back to Job. Tenfold, sevenfold, I forget. I just read it. I don't know. But it, a lot, right? It was, it was more than what he had before. He lost all of his kids. They were all killed. He lost all of his wealth. Everything that he had was destroyed. God restored it back to him. God restored it back more than he had before. But here's the key. If Job had been too afraid to, to, to re-engage his wife after all that happened, right? If, if Job had been too afraid to, 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 for, you know, for intimacy and relationships, if he had been too afraid to go out and do anything because he was afraid of having the same thing happen again, then all that, that restoration, that abundance that God wanted to bring back into his life would have never happened. If he had operated in a poverty mentality, if he had operated out of fear or laziness or whatever, if he had let fear take over because of the things that had happened before, he would have never seen the abundance of God. Don't let fear get in the way of God moving in your life. Because we all have those needs, right? We all have things that we need We need to see God move in our lives. We, we, we desperately want to see God move in our lives. Don't let fear get in the way of God actually doing it. Because we can make excuses for fear. We're great at making excuses for fear. Fear, you can, We can make an excuse for fear sound like a really smart thing, right? And a lot of times, I mean, you know, fear's a, fear, fear can be like, you know, fear keeps me off of like mountain cliffs, right? That's, that's a good thing because I'm, I'm afraid of heights, right? Because I, I know if I fall, my arms can't hold up me on the side of a mountain. So I'm going to go with the fear there. But guys, fear of man, <laughs> there's unhealthy fear. And that unhealthy fear is going to keep you from walking in what God has for you. Don't let a poverty mentality reign in your life. I don't care if you grew up in poverty. I don't care how horrible your circumstances are. You can change it. No, you can't change it. But God can change your circumstances. Just do what God asked you to do. Do the little things. Commit to them. Don't dodge it. God's going to do something in your life, I promise. If you want to see God's change in your life, stop making excuses. Stop making your fear sound righteous and start, and, and start doing something. Start doing the little things and just say, God, I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how that abundance is going to come in my life because I can't make it happen on my own, but I'm going to trust you. You're big enough, and I trust what you say. So I'm just going to do the little things you asked me to do, and I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to keep doing it because I believe that you can make the difference. I believe that you can change my circumstances.
God's redemption is huge. And it will restore you, not to a, you know, he's not going to restore you just to good enough. He's not going to restore you just back to a condition that says, well, taking everything into account and all the mistakes they made and everything that screwed, they screwed up, this is pretty good, right? That's not the point God's going to bring you to. God wants to bring you to his absolute best. And regardless of the decisions you've made in the past, his absolute best is still open and available for you. That's what redemption is. He's not going to restore you to good enough. He's going to restore you to his best. Let's stand up and pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your promises are true. That in Christ, everything that you have stored up for us becomes ours, becomes our inheritance because of the price that you paid. Because of what you've done for us, Father God. We thank you for moving in our circumstances. We thank you for your faithfulness. Your love never fails, God. Lord, we pray that you would give us, that you would encourage us all to continue to do the things that you ask us to do. That we would not believe the lie. That we would not project a future that is void of God. But that when we imagine the future, when we see the possible results, when we weigh the outcomes, that we see the outcomes that you have in store. We see every possibility drenched in your spirit. And that we would act according to that. That we would act according to what you call us to do. We thank you, Father, for your, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you do desire to bring change. We do, you desire abundance in our lives. And we just, right now, Father God, we curse the poverty mentality. We rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. That it has no place here that there would be no poverty mentality in, 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 the, in the area of health with regards to sickness and disease, in regards to finances, Father, in regards to relationships. Father God, these things are difficult, and in in that poverty mentality runs deep, and it's ingrained into who we are, but you have made us a new person. And I pray that we would become that new creation, Father God, fully and holy in mind, in spirit, and in body, Father God, that we would resemble you. And there is no trace of poverty mentality in your heart, Father, because you are our abundance. We thank you for that. I pray, Father, that you would encourage those who struggle with this. I pray, Father God, that you would build them up. Father God, you understand the source of their fear, but I pray that right now you would overwhelm them with a courage that comes only from you, that your peace would flow in, in through them, Father God, and you would give them the courage to begin to walk out your truth and your life and your abundance, Father God, in their lives, that they would not be a slave to fear, they would not be a slave to poverty, but they would walk as children of the Most High God, worthy of their inheritance. We love you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.